And hey, what what I would hope is that like you and I, in a point where we might not have the the same view, that we could offer like, I mean, I don't mean for this to sound like high and mighty or anything, because that's not how I, I see myself. But I, I would hope that we could maybe offer an example of like good Christian disagreement and conversation. You know, like, um, I mean, I I think we, we've we've made the point that we don't necessarily agree fully on this, but um, you know. We're having a good conversation. I'm acknowledging your good points. And I think this is the kind of thing that within a church context and within a cultural context, we've got to do a better job of is having these kind of conversations, coming to the table, putting our points out there, our thoughts, everything that we're really kind of feeling and thinking through a situation, and then being willing to say like, okay, here's a point where I think you got me and I think you're right. So let's talk about that. Hello, and welcome in to the Late Night Radio Podcast, Episode 4. I am Justin, joined as always by Alan. Alan, what's going on today, man? How you doing? Doing well. I'm uh, broadcasting here from a new location. We moved this weekend, so last night, scrambling to get my desk set together to get all of my materials in its proper place because we're now in a new location. So other than that, other than the busy weekend, we also got a puppy. Uh, so I'm waking up every couple of hours in the nighttime to take him to use the restroom. Uh, Dude, so moving in a puppy my, all at one time. My wife thinks my eyes are swollen. Um, I don't know what's what's going on. I might be dying. Who knows? But aren't we all dying? <laughs> well, well, nice uh, morbid way to start the show there, Alan. Not to get all Solomon on us, but all of this is meaningless. Aren't we just dying? <laughs> uh, dude, I'm going to have to talk about it. So so everything is meaningless. You know, we both come from uh, church in Rock Hill, Northside Baptist, where Scott Davis was the pastor. The first week that we visited, Scott was in the middle of a series on Ecclesiastes. And I promise for the first like two months we visited Northside, all we heard was everything is meaningless on Sunday mornings. Not that that was Scott's message, but that was the the scripture reading. It was from Ecclesiastes, and <laughs> that was a that was an interesting way to 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 visit a church in the middle of an Ecclesiastes uh, series. Yeah, not not many folks I think would preach on that book um, <laughs> and be able to preach it well. So it's a tall task, and to keep visitors around. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, he did it. He did it. We stayed, and man, that's that's the reason that you and I know each other, Alan. Well, <laughs> <laughs> our paths have crossed in some interesting ways, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There was even a a person that that I knew at one point, and I mentioned that I knew that person, and you said, "Wow, how do you know that person?" Well, that was an interesting, interesting conversation we had as well. Uh, You're gonna have to tell else. me when this is over who that is, because I'm the lost. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll I'll tell you when it's over, but I don't want to mention that person's name because we hadn't run it by that person whether or not we could say his or. Do I like name. that person? So, no comment. Um, not, oh man. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, I don't I don't know that either of us are, are huge fans anymore. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Who knows? It's probably like Obama or something. But uh, <laughs> Justin, what have you been up to? All right. Um. So, man, I've just been. Uh, doing some schoolwork, uh, still trying to prepare for uh, the baby that we have on the way. Um, and when you mean schoolwork, you're you're finishing middle school because you dropped out. Yeah, that's correct. I'm back in middle school. No. Algebra uh, one's kicking your butt, huh? <laughs> Listen, it did last year when I was teaching it. 
Dr. <laughs> Dr. Marcy Davis, if you happen to listen to this, please don't judge me too harshly for that. Um, no, I am working on a, a Master of Divinity degree from Southwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and I decided, uh, perhaps foolishly, to take four classes this semester because I thought, well, you know, the baby's not here yet, and we're still pretty much shut down because of COVID, so I could really get some work done. Well, now the baby is almost here, and I've got a ton of work due, and I have not been ahead of things the way I should have been. So yeah, um, I'm working on some schoolwork for uh, for that degree. Darn babies. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, he's getting in the way. Yeah, he's not even here yet, and he's he's already becoming my excuse for things. <laughs> well, you know what? When he grows up. And he has schoolwork. You should just disrupt his schoolwork. Just like go in there and throw his right. books on the floor. Be like, yeah. how do you like it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly what I should do. Uh, no, so I've been been working on some of that. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of made it a little thing last week to talk about uh, some, some smoking of some meats. Uh, mm. I tried something new. I smoked a chicken. And uh, I don't know if I'm saying this the right way or not, but... Uh, what I came across was the spatchcock chicken method of cooking the, the chicken. Anyway, you cut it down the middle and take the, the spine out. Um, tried that over the weekend. That was interesting. Um, it was the, the, the cleaning of the chicken was a little grosser than I thought it would be. I was not a fan of having to take all the, the innards out and all of that. But, uh, but yeah, as where you have had a, a pretty busy time moving and all of that with a new puppy i have been busy from my own uh being slack with schoolwork and it's caught up with me yeah we moved uh, on friday moved all of our things we had several friends several couples come over and help us but we moved everything on friday and then saturday we got up and drove to the breeder about three hours away got sullivan is his name got sully and brought him back on saturday so it's kind of bang bang but you know it's almost like i'd rather do it that way but uh, i tell you what man we got to the end of friday everything was moved in i took the u-haul back and i brought back some pizza for everybody and we chowed down heard that. that was the best some of the best pizza i've ever eaten was it now listen I'm, I'm gonna have to ask was it from a local place or was it from a chain no, there's a number of local pizza places I want to try up here where I'm at, but uh, it was from Papa John's. I like Papa John's a lot. Like if I have to eat chain pizza, Papa John's, yeah, got that sweet, got that sweet sauce. Yeah, um, no, no, definitely, I agree. Yeah, Papa John's is the bomb, uh, and I had some like rewards dollars that I was able to use and nice. to get the price a little lower. But Papa John's is legit. But there's some there's some local places that I want to try. There's, I live in a smallish town. Like, not kind of like a country town, but like a small, just size town. There's a fair number of people here. But there are so many restaurants, and there are so many pizza places in this town where I live. It's like too many. It's almost overwhelming. Really? Yeah, so, too many. Too so many. We, we so have we a, just continue to go to... Yeah, we, we have kind of a, the same thing. We live in a smaller town. Now, we've, we've got some pretty, you know, big, not huge places surrounding us. We're close to Clemson and Greenville and, and that kind of thing. But what we've noticed is the little place where we live is like overrun with Mexican restaurants. I mean, that's all anybody wants apparently because Dude, there are tons. You have got to reword the way that you just said that. <laughs> yeah. I heard it as I was saying it, the restaurants of a Mexican persuasion outnumber almost <laughs> any other kind of restaurant. Now that, that didn't, that didn't sound great. <laughs> now we want to get canceled. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you for repenting. Yeah. Please, please know I was talking about restaurants and restaurants only. That was, that was <laughs> that's what I was talking about there. Now we have a ton of Mexican places, but nothing else. Like there's no, you know, great burger places around us. We have to drive to get to the burger places or or the pizza places. Well, except there is one one decent pizza place in town. Anyway, I digress. That that seems to be the thing with small towns. Maybe there's a an overabundance of one style of food and not a ton of anything else. We we just have we just have too many restaurants. It's overwhelming. So we just continue my wife and I to go to Moe's and <laughs> Papa John's. That's all we get. That's <laughs> you, what we know. Now listen, do you have are you guys like us? Do you have a list of places that you'd like to go? But then when oh, it's yeah. time to decide, you're like, let's just stick with what we know. Literally every single time we drive by where there's a place called Korean Kitchen. I oh. want to go there. There's a place called uh, Asian bistro or uh, or no Thai t- there's a Asian bistro and then there's like a Thai Thai bistro I think is what it's called or Thai Thai kitchen Thai delight something like that mm. want to go there there's a number of pizza places I want to try uh, I mean there's a there's a deli I want to go to I mean there's a ton of stuff but it's like we want we want something to eat on a Sunday afternoon maybe or any night of the week it's like you want to just pick up Moe's maybe if we're not cooking we cook a lot do do you, do you like the Thai food Alan is Thai a thing that you enjoy yeah, I like the Thai food. Have Have you had? And I'm pretty sure this is Thai. If it's not, our wonderful listeners, or maybe you, can correct me. Have you ever had banh mi? No. Uh, and as I speak, it may not be Thai. I'm pretty sure it is. But we're talking about like this delicious pork sandwich, but like served on a baguette with it's like kind of crunchy going on, and then just the the stuff that's on top of it. You've got the um, the daikon, the, I think I'm saying that right. Anyway, I had never had banh mi before. Had it, it was life-changing, and I want banh mi now that I mentioned it. Wow. Well, it's getting near lunchtime, so you're just making yeah. us hungry. It is. It is. We just we just doxed ourselves. We just outed ourselves as not recording this late <laughs> at night, which many have thought we do. Yeah, we, we did, man. Well, late night radio, this... Let's get into the news. As much as I enjoy chatting with you, we did a lot of that earlier, and our listeners are just tired of us chatting. Yeah. So as we get into the news this week and some stuff we want to think through as Christians, I think this one this one hits close to home, just based on the way we were talking beforehand. Hits close to home because you live in South Carolina, but it also hits close to home because your wife is with child. Uh, so let's talk about this, uh, This well, I almost said junk. No, it's very good. Let's talk about this stuff that went down... What was it, early last week, late late two weeks ago, something like that? South Carolina uh, passed, the legislation passed a, the, what, what is being called the heartbeat bill. So it was to outlaw abortions after yeah. the, after they could, if there's a heartbeat that is red on a baby yeah. or on a fetus, yeah. then uh, they cannot be aborted. So if you yeah. get that point. And then the governor, yeah. a few days after that, signed it into, signed it into legislation. Um but now maybe there's a there's a two week ban on it from a federal court, um, and then they're gonna have to what debate over it and go into trial over it. Yeah. Uh, have you seen anything? This one hits close to home, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, uh, just going back real quick. Um, so you mentioned the uh, there's gonna be a legal fight about all of this. There's several states, multiple states that have kind of that same thing going on. I am interested to see how that plays out. But you mentioned how it hits close to home. Um, I, I do have a, a baby on the way and you know, it, it does kind of change your perspective. Not that I was ever pro-choice. I'm, I've been very, uh, 
anti-abortion for for a long time. But man, that first time that we went to the doctor uh, after we found out that Hannah was pregnant and they did um, an ultrasound, they were checking to see if they could hear a heartbeat. I mean, it was it was pretty early on in Hannah's pregnancy, and like there it was, you hear a heartbeat, and I can't explain it. But when you hear that heartbeat and you know that like that is that is life that you're bringing into the world, um, you just you just start to question like how how could how could we not have a law like this? How could we not um, want to protect this life? I mean, you're talking about a such a small a small I'm going to say organism because that's that's the right thing. This we are talking about an organism. We do believe it's a human organism that is human life but the small little thing that you can see and it's actually moving around and it, it is it is active and there's a heartbeat and it, it's it's amazing that we've allowed the conversation to shift to where we call that a clump of cells so yeah it does well, hit close you know, to home. go ahead uh well you know church that you and i are from uh back home and my wife still works in this. There's there's a church that we're back from that's very close to a, a pregnancy center, a pro life center. So I've had dealings with them before. My wife works for pro life center. That is, um, if you want to stop abortions, um, or one of the ways that abortions are often halted is if they go to a pro life center where they're not just where you don't just go in to say Planned Parenthood and they just want you to instantly get an abortion. Pro-life centers, they, they, they want you not to get an abortion, but they also just want to care for you, tell you about pregnancy, tell you facts about pregnancy, and want you to feel encouraged in your pregnancy. Planned Parenthood just wants you to get in, and they just want to get their body count up. So you come into this pro-life center, and they're caring for you, but one of the things they do is they offer free ultrasounds. And when the, the, when the husband or the boyfriend or the father sees the baby daddy, one might say, when they see, <laughs> when they see the ultrasound, when they see the baby there, and they, they realize it's a person, well, one guy recently uh, threw up, as I understand it, because <laughs> he didn't know that that was a person. But we've just been so, uh, it's sort of like um, all of the masking symbols that you see on every building, on every door to go in somewhere where it's like, wear a mask, wear a mask. Some of it's more positive, like there's a gas station branch uh, chain up where I live where it's just like, they, they want to make you feel encouraged. It's like, yo, just wear the mask. It's good for everybody. And I'm not, this is not a mask episode. What that is to say is we have been so inundated in the same way with every symbol, commercials, uh, politicians, uh, social media, that abortion is just uh, women's health, women's health care. It's just a, it's just a parasite sucking off of this woman, killing her hopes and dreams of having a career. But if you get somebody into the room, and sees that that's a that's a little person that looks yeah. like you has your literally your 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 DNA your genes yeah. and not your Levi's but your your genes yeah. <laughs> like they are so persuaded to love that even if they're not Christians they're so persuaded to love that thing because one it's our natural instinct yeah. but also you see that that's a person to get at yeah. what you were saying you are a Christian you were never going <clears> to <throat> abort your baby you were trying right. to have children. But these right. people who don't want to have kids and they're going just to get the free ultrasound, then they get persuaded. And it's not a tact. It's that fatherhood comes in you, that motherhood comes in you when you see that that's a baby. Yeah, I was I was blown away, uh, Alan, when like I expected to have emotions and to, to feel attached to the to the life that was growing. But to actually see it, I was blown away by how strongly I felt a sense of love and a sense of wanting to protect 
that life. It was it was incredible. Right. Well, and that's you know the church is the church. I mean, this 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 is something I wanted to talk about with this. The church is losing the abortion battle, in part because not enough people like my age who haven't had kids yet understand what you just went through seeing that baby. Yeah. Like not enough people my age see have have yeah. seen an ultrasound. The other day I was watching a bit of a documentary on abortion, and the documentary showed. I mean, it was graphic. It showed an abortion being being taken place and bits being brought out. Yep. Um, and listen, that made me think differently. And I'm a Christian. I'm pro-life. Like, I ain't getting right. an abortion, and I try my hardest not to have an abortion. Uh, or not to have people get abortions. I'll never have an abortion. <laughs> I am a man. Uh, and I'll never chest feed either, though I wish I could, right. perhaps. Um, chest feed. Yeah, that's the right term now. That's what they're saying. So, but but it even motivated me. But I think people, not enough people my age, are seeing an ultrasound or seeing yeah. what an abortion is, and that's why they can say that they're religiously pro choice, pro life, but politically pro choice. You know, right. uh, that's a maybe right. we'll talk about that. In a second. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 a a whole interesting conversation that we could we could get into you know i'm looking at you know part of the reason that we, we mentioned this is going to a, a court battle though in south carolina and and i'm looking at some of the reasonings for for why they're saying um they mentioned that for to, to take a, a fetal heartbeat bill seriously and to to ban abortions after you can sense as it's worded here any cardiac activity um that leaves a window of about five to six weeks to legally terminate a pregnancy. And, and what they're saying is, you know, most women don't even know they're pregnant until five or six weeks in. And so what they're saying is essentially what the South Carolina bill and others like it would do is not give women the option to choose. And I think that's a big word that, that we, we should probably focus on when it comes to the abortion debate is, is the, the idea of, choice and you know that that's what it comes down to we talked about our how people maybe our age and, and even younger um have been pulled into this idea of well a woman has to have a right to choose a woman has to be able to make that decision for herself well the the question that i want to ask is what what do you mean she needs the right to choose what's she choosing there um, do, do you know what i'm getting at alan well um I, what, what i would say is they have no right to choose um on behalf of another person i mean i mean that is a person inside of them um the government does not own that baby but the government exists to give that baby life liberty and pursuit of happiness right to fight for right. that baby's life uh, right. to fight for any person's life or the right to it. And that's not just an American idea. That's a biblical idea. The government is there to uh, punish evildoers, reward good doers, if you want to put it that way, right. Re- reward those who do what, what Christ commands, and they should be punishing those who, who want to murder other people, and they should be doing good by, by striving to help the one who's helpless. Uh, that's a whole different discussion is helping the helpless, but also... Keep, let that baby have life. I mean, this is pro pro choice. They have they have well uh, people who are pro abortion have well marketed uh, yeah. abortion, making yeah, it pro choice. They yeah. stole the abortion debate right out from under conservatives and and even the church 
when they started labeling it as choice. Because yep. then your <laughs> sinfulness, um, which is uh, displayed in all sin, but you know, think about the garden. I have that choice to do that. I have this right to be like a God. I want to uh, desired uh, this abortion is desired to make one wise. You know what I mean? Like the fruit was desired to make one wise, or Eve thought so. It would be make them like God. Um, I mean, there's one comedian who made a whole joke about her abortion made her feel like God. Uh, yeah. She had the right to. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's a joke. And in some ways, in a secular world, that's a funny joke. But if you actually look at it, that is the worldview of abortion. It is people wanting to be God, wanting to be Alan, God, and wanting to have right over life. Alan, that is the that is the problem of sin in a nutshell. Is people wanting to to be God for themselves? That's how the serpent approached Eve in the Garden of Eden. Is is how the story goes. You know, he says, "Take this fruit, and you will be like God." And that's that's where the whole story of sin even comes from. So it's funny that that was the joke that she made, but in reality, what she just did is just put out there why why people do get comfortable in their sin. That is the problem of sin: wanting to be God for ourselves, wanting to define right and wrong, wanting to have that level of control. Um, it's yeah, fascinating. What I'm reading, one of the books I'm reading right now, which we're talking about later, but we talked about the last couple of weeks, is is Awe by Paul David Tripp. The problem with life is that we don't have awe of God. We have awe of ourselves or other things. I just read a chapter yesterday. That that is what transgression is. That is what sin is, is awe of something other than God. And in abortion, they have awe of self-autonomy, which um, our self-autonomy is the reason we're damned to hell, is the reason we are all, apart from Christ, on our way to hell is because we're slave to sin. Our autonomy has actually enslaved us. So the, the pro-choice movement has well-marketed abortion because they are working for Satan. Uh, they are working for Satan to do evil, and they've well-marketed it so that people feel like they have the right to do evil. And the church, I think, has truly failed on abortion. Not, not because we don't pray enough outside of abortion clinics. We don't, probably. Not because we don't hold enough rallies. Uh, I, I think in many ways, if, for all kinds of reasons like the ones I've just listed, the church is failing abortion. And I think the church is guilty of soft-pedaling abortion by saying things like you can be religiously pro-life and politically pro-choice. Um, now, the day may come where the only candidates we have to vote for in America are pro-choice. And we should vote for the one that stands for the most biblical principles, although even then, maybe we shouldn't even vote. Um, or should vote for a very minor candidate. But what I'm saying is not not that you should just instantly vote Republican because their presidential candidate claims to be pro-life. But we we have to stop sitting up there and being and saying that abortion doesn't matter. That there are other what what did they say? One issue voter that there are other issues to vote on. There are other issues to vote on and we should look at all the all the things. But if we look at all the other issues like we look at the abortion issue, we'll start to see there are other political candidates li- lined up with our worldview. Uh, for more reasons than just abortion. That's a different discussion. But we have really yeah. failed. The church has really failed by soft-pedaling, by calling it pro-choice, yeah. by soft-pedaling it, not calling it. Here's my argument. The Christians, I think, need to stand up and fight for the fact that abortion should be 
a crime. It should be illegal. Because it's a crime under God. Murder is a crime under God. What do you think? You think Christians should stop yeah, for yeah. making it a crime? Yeah, so, all right. Um, you, you said a lot there that I want to kind of kind of dig into. Um, a lot of it A lot of it, I agree with, um, but I think there's a flip side of it too. Um, so I think in a lot of ways the church has been maybe a little too soft. Like you said, allowing it to be called pro-choice. Um, I don't know if you heard earlier. I, I almost said pro-choice, and then I said, well, let's, I, I chose pro-abortion. I went with, with that. Um, I do think that's an issue. Um, another issue that I've observed is that the folks within the church who do want to speak strongly against abortion, which we do, uh, but but I think that, that there's a problem where you have the majority of folks speaking out. The, the only thing they really know to say is, well, abortion is murder, and the Bible says so. And that's the end of their conversation. Um, that's, that is their talking point. Now, listen, what I want to say clearly, I believe that the biblical case for abortion being murder is accurate. I think that's right. But what we have to recognize as the church is we are starting to argue with a world that does not believe the Bible to be true. And if the world does not believe the Bible to be true, I think the question we have to ask is, can we argue against abortion using something other than the Bible? Can we use science to back up our point of view, for example? Um, So where you say the church has been a little too weak, I agree, but I think the big weakness has been, if we care so much about it, we should really learn how to discuss and debate that fact or that that point. I agree, and you mean with the world. You mean with the world, and I, I would agree, and I also think that the church has has really failed. And, and this is a topic I blog about, and this is a topic we've talked about a couple of times. I, I think the church has very much failed in parents teaching kids, pastors teaching parents, and parents teaching kids why a whole host of issues, not just a one-issue voter, yep. all of the issues. Yep. What is the Christian yep. worldview on all of the issues? Abortion, especially you know, including abortion, but also every issue, because there is a political worldview, there is a, or a Christian worldview, uh, speaks into every single issue that we're going to vote on in November's, you know what I mean, November's future, and all that kind of stuff, and who knows where we'll be at in 2024, what we'll be voting on. Yep. There are Christian, the Christian worldview applies to every single perspective, every single issue, so no one should be a one-issue voter. Abortion's a big issue. But we should be well informed on how a Christian is supposed to think about welfare, welfare, how a Christian is supposed to think about immigration, that we can vote for the right person. uh, And hopefully uh, the right person is also pro-life. That's also one of the issues. I'm not saying that we should instantly become one-issue voters or that we should stop voting for any party uh, because of their stance on abortion. But I would also argue that uh, other parties have better, more Christian stances on on the majority of the issues. Maybe that's for next, you know, for November 2022 when we have some midterms. But the church has failed to disciple. That's the key. To disciple its its members and, and parents disciple children into all of the issues, including abortion. Not just teaching, well, the Bible says so. Because if you have a little rebellious child, they might want to rebel against that. You know what I mean? You have to disciple the kid in every area of life. And the Christian worldview will speak into those areas. The church is failing, not just on marketing, not just on speaking to the world, like you're saying, but also in its own house. Because like you said, yeah. there's going to be day here. Listen, Congress is voting on something, the Equality Act, where some whole crazy stuff is going to be going on in this country that is very not Christian. 
there's going to be a day, perhaps, where this country is at, not at all Christian, and uh, the the church looks something like the church in China, where it's not as culturally hip to be a Christian, and we're going to have to go uh, underground in a sense, and for decades, uh, centuries, the church is going to have to teach its children and lay foundations that hopefully its children or its grandchildren or its great-grandchildren will be able to stand on. And some of those foundations are political, including yeah. abortion. Yeah. Um, just talking, talking to that for a minute and I'm going to, um, I'm going to make it, I'm going to tell you about like just my personal experience, right? Um, growing up in a, what I would define as a strong Christian household, like church was a priority. Um, we, we needed to be there. Um, we, we prayed together. Uh, even in that environment, this kind of conversation is not something that we really had. Um, I, I came to some pretty strong political views from my parents. Um, you know, I, I inherited some of, some of that from them. Um, but when it came to the, the religious reason for the political views, I, I didn't have that. And like, Mom, Dad, if you're listening, I'm not. I'm not blaming you for that. Um, I, I'm just saying there's a there's a whole culture, like even within Christianity, where we say we have these beliefs, but we do a really really bad job of like laying the foundation for those beliefs, like you're saying, um, and that's where discipling starts is the foundation. Um, where, I mean, I, I'm sure you know plenty of people. I know plenty of people who grew up in the church who should have been discipled in that way, who would now say. Maybe, maybe they are pro-abortion or maybe they have trended more towards um, a liberal view, not just politically, but religiously of, of things. And in reality, if we had done a better job of discipling them, um, you know, that's not something that would be would be dealing with to the extent that we are right now. But uh, you mentioned you mentioned the Equality Act. Um, I'm, I'm curious to talk some more about that. Uh, can you can you talk to the, about the Equality Act a little bit more? Um, maybe if we have some listeners who aren't aware of what's going on there, um, kind of kind of fill them in. Well, Joe Biden famously said that uh, transgenderism or transgender rights is the civil rights issue of our day. Uh, so, what happened in the '60s? I guess the the '50s, but then in the '60s, obviously with the civil rights movement for you know people of color. Uh, that is what needs to happen. That that sort of that is the same issue that we have right now with transgenderism. That's what he said. Transgender rights. Uh, he famously said that. Um, he said that in a town hall. So if you've never heard him say that, and you were the biggest Joe Biden supporter, I would I would encourage you, as a to do, just do some more research and know that that kind of stuff gets said. But he's he's more radical than he appeared. But that I digress. The Equality Act is it's been in talks I think with the with Congress and with the you know the legislature at our federal level. Um, before, but obviously now that there was a blue wave in this recent election and they have the, the House, they have by way of Kamala Harris, the vice president, a majority in the Senate, and they have Joe Biden as president. Uh, it's really gaining some momentum. It's about to uh, be discussed, I guess, in, in and maybe actually put into effect in the Congress, and then I guess maybe it has to go through the Senate. Uh, but it, it looks like it could go into effect, basically, if they want it to. Uh, and the Equality Act is sort of as it sounds, but it's, it is equality uh, for, you know, LGBT, which would include transgenderism also, obviously. Um, it's rights for them in every uh, public sphere. So, you know, the, the biggest example you can give is that 
if they are if a, if a transgender person is not hired uh, and they suspect any suspicion that a company or an organization didn't hire them because of their transgenderism, you know, under this act they can sue and they have some some legislation there backing them up, backing their complaint up. And that's sort of what it is there and it exists to do. But the problem with the Equality Act, well, one, if you're a Christian, is that it it is the transgenderism problem, the problem with uh, that we have to talk about with transgenderism and all the LGBTQ. But the attack that it would potentially have on faith-based organizations. One, I was reading an article, and 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 um, this the the center or the Association of Freedom or whatever it's called, they the their leader said that this bill, this equip, this bill treats Christians or faith-based people is what it said. But they're Christians, so this treat this bill treats Christians like second-class citizens. Yep. And that that is the problem. That is why Christians need to talk about the Equality Act. Because uh, in some ways it is on love, it is on par with the with abortion in that it is a huge anti God movement uh, trying to support anti God worldview, a complete secular and atheistic worldview, and it could really have an attack on the church. Yep. And we need to talk about this because faith based organizations, churches, parachurch ministries are about to be under attack. Yeah, um, and that's I, I, we we've talked before about you know watching our watching rhetoric and that kind of thing and not saying something too strongly but and i fully agree with everything you just said um what what you're looking at here is a situation where um you mentioned faith-based organizations let's let's actually give like some like examples here um catholic um adoption agencies for example um if they chose uh, for for the most part, they would say they don't want to. Um, no, they don't want to. They don't believe in like working with same sex couples in adoption, right? They don't believe in placing a child in a home with a same sex couple. They believe that's against the biblical worldview, and so they wouldn't normally do that. Um, what what this would do is is compel them to either shut down, or they must work with that same sex couple. Um, now, what, what I want to be sure we're, we're doing here, I don't necessarily think we need to, in this podcast, say what, what our views even are as to whether that group should work with a same-sex couple or not. But what I think is important is to say that a religious organization should be allowed to function within its religious worldview, right? And so that's the big problem, is that this act would say, okay, you have your worldview, but even within your own sphere, you cannot operate within that worldview. So that's that's the huge issue, right? Well, we've lost separation of church and state, and here's what I mean. Not that the state is about to start telling churches who they should hire. It is that separation of church and state exists to not be like sort of what the Puritans and the Pilgrims were trying to escape, which is that the, the state church, the Anglican church, was, was persecuting their beliefs and what they were allowed to believe and say. They wanted to get away from that. They wanted to have separation of church and state, which meant there was no organized state church. There was no state religion. Not that uh, the church couldn't influence the state and not perhaps that the state, but that there was no organized state religion. And we don't have that anymore because we have an organized state religion, which is atheism. Atheism is a religion. There's no doubt about it. It has a worldview. Now, if you even want to talk about that, they didn't want the state to necessarily have one worldview tied to one religion, if that's what you want to call separation of church and state. Now we do. Now we absolutely do. 
because we have a complete secular worldview and an atheistic religion has taken over our country. So we don't have separation of church and state anymore. And now yeah. uh, it's starting to affect the church. <laughs> the let separation me, of church and state. Yeah, let me let me let me interact with that real quick because I think I think you're on the right track. I don't know that we have a, a, a state religion of atheism as much as, and you said this word of secularism. Now, yeah. some people would say that those two go hand in hand. I, I actually might agree with you. I might agree that it is more of an atheistic worldview. Um, but it's so funny that, that we're seeing that. But we mentioned it last week. For some reason, every, almost every elected official on the federal level claims a religion claims a christian mm-hmm. religion so so how do you how do you justify like these people who claim essentially claim christ um whether they're on the right or left that is the the predominant view they're claiming christ but then we're seeing such a move towards secularism how how is that happening well i think that's probably why it's better put secularist than atheist um because they do believe in some way in a God, but they think he has nothing to do with life. There we go. <laughs> he has nothing to do with yeah. the way that one acts. Uh, he's not Lord. He's not King. He's just there. You know what I mean? Even if yeah. it is Christ, even if even if Joe Biden is a devout Catholic, yeah, I'm not sure he believes Jesus is his Lord. You know what I mean? And, and certainly right. the majority of folks wouldn't. And listen, b- before anybody thinks, no, Donald Trump didn't believe Jesus was his Lord either. And, and, and had lordship over his life. A little bit spicy, yeah. Maybe I just offended all of our white listeners. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, Joe Biden doesn't believe Jesus is his lord. Donald Trump didn't believe Jesus is his lord. Most of the politicians don't. They might claim God. They might claim some sort of religion. But they don't, whatever it is, it doesn't have lordship over them. So that's probably why it's better to say it's a secularistic society. And, and you know, I, I said secularistic, and, and maybe maybe we could take it a step farther and even say it's it's the religion of self. Um, mm. You look at abortion. We talked about abortion. Abortion is, and listen, I understand this is about to be a, a bit of a hot take maybe. Um, abortion is, in its very essence, selfish. It is... Um, by and large, listen, I understand people talk about the, the cases of rape and incest and life of the mother, which life of the mother is a different conversation that we should have at some point. Anyway, um, I understand the rape and incest. Let's put that aside because the vast majority of, of cases of abortion are cases of convenience. And we're choosing, we have, we have people in our country, uh, women in our country who have bought into this idea that they should choose themselves over another life. Um, and I don't think that's only an abortion. I think that's with um, this worldview that we're talking about. It is what makes me happy, what lifts me up. Um, it's, it is a very self-centered, even if it sounds like it's not like, for example, some of the, the more socialistic things, uh, I hate that I use that word, um, <laughs> that maybe the the more leftist politicians would like to advance. Um, when you really dig into what would happen there, it's still a situation of elevating the self over everything else. And so well, I think that's, I every think that's an sin, issue, right? Every, yeah. every sin is is self before God. Yes. God, the eternal God of the universe, deserves 
uh, everything due to him, glory due to him, and our sin is our transgression against that, that we, we want yes. ourselves. So, um, and listen, uh, there are a ton of, it, the problem with abortion isn't just, like you said, ladies who want abortion, but man, men, men are such cowards. Men let their men let their their babies go in there and be murdered. They don't they don't lead their girlfriend or whatever. Men are such cowards. I'm, I'm, I wrote a blog a while ago called uh, the the church is full something like the church is full of men who act like little boys. Who there's yeah. boys that can Matt Chandler used to famously say boys that can shave, um, and that's what the world is full of right now. But especially the church. But that, but I digress. The Equality Act, Christians need to be aware of this kind of stuff because, listen, the church might be going underground here soon. Uh, the church might not be hiring nobody in, uh, anytime soon. We might be all staffed up because, uh, because uh, you know, there could be a real attack that comes. There could be a real attack. And that's not to scare anybody. That is to say we have allowed, my point is, we have allowed ourselves to get here by, in, in politics, because Politics is the way that we govern, unfortunately, and Christians have to be involved in politics in a country like this, uh, because in politics we have we have not voted for, in some cases, um, people who stand for what Christ and His Word teaches. We vote for people who believe that we can have a secularist society. And listen, uh, Donald Trump stood up there and said Jesus was the most famous. He, you know, somebody he said that he said that somebody looked at him and was like, "You know, I think you must be the most famous person on earth." And Donald Trump looked at him and was like, in retelling this story, he said he looked at him and said, "No, I think Jesus is more famous than me." And everybody went crazy. I don't know that Donald Trump is a Christian. He is a Presbyterian apparently. Um, a part of the Frozen Chosen. So, uh, I think Donald Trump is in many ways a secularist. But a lot of his policies were in line with the Christian worldview. Right. A lot of certain Republican policies are in line with the Christian worldview. Now you go, you go to some right wingers, and they think that black people are lesser, and you know David Duke and some folks like that. They might be on the right wing, but they obviously don't line up with Christian values. And there's some on the left wing that line up with Christian values. Like we have to vote for those kind of people. We and cannot let me, sit back. Let me uh, let me talk about this for a second because it's it's one that that really bugs me. So uh, Republicans, and since we've talked about abortion, Republicans, conservatives, uh, want to stay so far away from any kind of like social programs where they where they give money where it doesn't where they think it doesn't need to be given. Listen, I have I have this belief that if if Republicans are truly the party of pro life, that one common sense piece of legislation would be uh, paid maternity leave, like a guaranteed paid maternity leave um, for moms. And listen, this is something that I'm really only aware of because um, of the situation that my wife and I are in. Like, she's about to have a baby, and we're trying to figure out the maternity leave aspect of it. Um, there is no mandatory paid maternity leave. Um, and so I think that if, if you offered that, um, that would be removing one major obstacle for young moms who aren't sure how they're going to handle like having a baby and then returning to work. Um, it, it bugs me that because that's a, a leftist talking point right now, the Republicans want to stay super far away from it when it's something that could actually bring about some change within abortion. That's another thing I really believe we want to outlaw abortion we should also take steps to reduce it as much as we can until that time comes. Sorry, I went off on a tangent a little bit there. No, there but, are but some. As you were talking. 
there are some womb to tomb kind of pro life uh, policies that um, I think I hope I just cracked my I hope my knuckle cracking just got into the mic. There are some womb to tomb pro life policies like certain social welfare programs that don't seem to be totally unchristian because that opens up the whole can of worms that is is welfare Christian. Uh, does does God's word allow for a government um, to give out welfare? And, and I would say it certainly allows for the church to give out. You know, the church, uh, the church in the early church in you know Acts chapter two, Acts chapter three, all things were among each other. You know what I mean? They yep. they devoted each other's things to one another. It was it was something of a commune, if I can use that word. Yep. Um, that gets into the whole discussion of what does the government have the right to do, which may be an interesting conversation conversation to have. But I think I think we could legislate some of those types of womb to tomb kind of welfare for for pro life. Yeah. Uh, to keep to keep life going, uh, what do they like to call it? Um, you know, universal human flourishing. That's a hot. You ever heard that yeah. phrase? That's a hot phrase around yeah. these days when you talk about stuff like that, social programs like that. Um, so here, here's here's another question for you when it comes to this uh, equality act kind of thing. Um, I'm looking at this this article that brings up seven potential things that will happen. And one that I think is an important one to look at is the idea that it would compel speech. Um, and in, in saying that, um, it gives the example of a high school teacher who lost his job, not for something he said, but for something he refused to say. Um, mm-hmm. He refused to use a student's chosen pronouns um, that went against uh, the, 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 students gender at birth um listen i think that's a huge thing for a christian worldview for us to talk about um the idea of the government being able to compel speech not not only to say that we shouldn't say the things we want to say but we have to say the things we don't want to say um because essentially what you're talking about is government forcing us to lie um Hmm. as i look at that and see some of the examples given um, you have a, a pretty, pretty clear standard set in the Bible. Do not bear false witness. Um, but then you get into a situation where the government wants you to lie to make people feel better about, you know, who they say they are. Um, man, do you think, do you think that's a situation that as youth pastors that we're ever going to have to deal with? Like, what if, what if we had a situation where, like you, where we have students who would want to come into our, our groups but but maybe maybe they want us to use a different pronoun. Like, have you thought about just how tough it would be to address that in love when you're actually talking about a student and like looking that student in the face and having to have that conversation with them? Woof! No, I've never thought about that. Um, <laughs> I've never thought about that. That seems like a very uh, scary situation, overwhelming situation. Right. It, I mean, it uh, is. I'd, almost, I'd rather be like a. I'd rather be a senior pastor. And have somebody like walk into a Sunday school class, you know, because you're then it's an adult. Right. But kids are so, kids are so impressionable, but they're also they're also so and 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 part of my French kids are also stupid. They don't yeah. listen. You know what I mean? <laughs> their ears are closed and their mouths are yeah. open. So it's like you yeah. start to try and have a conversation with them, and they're just like they're just they're just pulling up TikTok and trying to get you to be some sort of internet bigot. Yeah. You know right. I mean? Right. So here's so here's here's my scary. thing. I brought that up and I put you on the spot a little bit, but my reason mm-hmm. for doing that is let's say that that happened and let's say right. that, that you or I or any other youth pastor or, or senior pastor out there tried to speak to that student in love. And then that 
student took offense to that and then brought a court case against us or, or our church or, or whatever, that's the kind of situation that we could very well get into with the Equality Act. And that's why right. you and I believe it's such an important thing to talk about. It is such an important thing to talk about. Um, and, and it is going to affect churches and parachurch ministries and all sorts of faith-based organizations. Uh, we'll see if it affects the more the more Islamic uh, faith-based organizations because uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they don't like to pers- they don't like to go after those quite like they like to go after the church of Jesus Christ. Um, so we'll see how that affects those because um, they have some pretty harsh beliefs about uh, homosexuals and so on and so forth. But again, as I've said many times this episode, I digress. It is an important conversation. And Christians, we, we need to see, one, this administration, the current Democrat Party, is probably a little bit more radical than we ever thought they were. And that's okay. Because um, sort of like a wolf in sheep's clothing, they, they, they hide themselves. Many, many radical social justice warriors hide themselves behind love and peace and equality, and then they want to kill Christians. Then they want to persecute Christians or persecute just conservatives in general, even if they don't believe in God, even if it's like a, an atheistic uh, Republican or something like that. Yeah. We need to understand that next election, we, we've seen what's happening. We'll see what happens for the next you know, three and a half years. And next election, even in the midterms, but, but especially in 2024, we have a, a right to hear, have our voice heard. And uh, we need to make our voice heard. We need to make the church stand up for, or the church needs to stand up for Jesus in the way that we vote. And that seems like such a such a such a preacher thing to say right before an election. Stand up for Jesus at the polls. But we really are going to have to start doing it. And if we have to go underground, then we're going to stand up for Jesus in our church and teach our kids what's right. Uh, if we can't change things in the next couple of years, because the Equality Act is going to have some big things. Man, it's got some big things to to say, and it says some big things about our churches, and it it could be dangerous. We got to stab it out. You know, I'll get my I'll get my Baptist. Uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist on him is stand up for Jesus at the polls because we're gonna have to, we're gonna have yeah. to stand up for him in our politics. Yeah. Well, hey, I think that I think that kind of leads really well into this this next thing that we really wanted to talk about um, when it comes to the government and how the government um, interacts with the church, relates to the church. Um, exactly how far can the government go in in regulating things that we do within the church? Um, you know what. What's going to happen there? And that and that leads, like I said, to our next story, where we have an issue of a pastor in Alberta, Canada, who has been arrested um, because he did not agree to abide by COVID nineteen health restrictions. Cool. So, so what happened here uh, with this with this pastor um, is the government basically said um, that they needed to limit in person. Uh, worship gatherings to 15% of the church's capacity. And what what happened is the pastor said that he didn't agree with that, um, that they had been holding services since the start of things, had had no um, real issues. So it was his conviction that they would continue to operate as normal without the that uh, 15% guideline in place. They would be open at full capacity. Um, looks like uh, at the start of the pandemic, um, they did do live stream worship, but then when they came back, they just realized, hey, look, we're able to handle things in a way um, where we're not having these massive issues. And uh, the government became aware of that and then decided to step in. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, and they stepped. They they, they stepped. I thought stepped was wrong, but they stepped in, and they arrested him. Well, yeah. they 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 just they fined him. I'm sure they went through the process of fining and told him that if he continued to do this, he'd be arrested. And it came to the point where I guess they had put a warrant out for him, and he he turned himself in. Uh, yeah. But he was arrested. We'll just put it plainly. He was arrested for holding church service. Is that yes. is that too crude of a way to say it? <laughs> uh, so so this is one that we talked about beforehand about how. Um, you know, maybe maybe you and I might take a little bit of a different stance on, on this this issue, what happened. Uh, when you put it just plainly, uh, yeah, you're right. He was arrested for holding a church service. Um, when you dig a little deeper, that he was arrested for not just holding the church service, but for holding a church service that didn't uh, follow the guidelines. So my question as I read this, does the government have a right to limit attendance at worship? Right, or or tell you you can't worship at all because right. you know in some places, I mean John MacArthur was getting fined week after week because in California churches weren't supposed to be meeting at all. Uh, right, not just that he was meeting with you know a couple thousand people there perhaps, um, and they weren't requiring masks, but they weren't supposed to meet at all. So uh, I didn't realize John MacArthur was in was in California yeah. until all this went down. I thought surely there's no way he's in Martin in uh, California with as solid as he is, but and as big as <laughs> church as he has. But no, John MacArthur's in California, so. Can a church shut down worship at all? Can they tell you you're not allowed to meet, not allowed to gather and worship the Lord? Can they limit your attendance? Uh, I think you and I, I, I don't know that you and I disagree completely, but I would say no. I would say that the government does not have this right to, does not does not have the right to tell you you cannot go to church, to tell, to tell Christians. And, and what I mean is not the American argument of free speech and First, first Amendment, I mean the biblical argument of what is a government there for? What does a government exist for? And can they tell you you're not allowed to meet and gather as a as the body of Christ? Take the Lord's Supper, observe baptism, hear the preaching of the word, pray together, enjoy fellowship with one another, uh, as as one congregation uh, in, in a certain geographic location. Be a church? No, I don't think the government has the right to shut that down ever. Now I will say, what this brother did, what his church did, and for the record, what John MacArthur's church did. Shutting down last March for a few months uh, was probably smart in this sense. I mean, we shut down for hurricanes. We shut down for snowstorms because sometimes in a snowstorm, you can't get to church. You know, if you're in a very northern or, or crazy, you know, like what happened in Texas, can't get there. You've got power, all this kind of stuff. Can't get to church. If it's a hurricane, might be too dangerous to get to church or the church building is flooded, all that kind of stuff. We shut down for different safety reasons. And I think last March... It was in some ways wise to shut down for a few weeks or a month to see what this thing was. Right. We didn't know, <laughs> some would argue we still don't know, but we didn't know what COVID really was back then. Uh, when we were shutting down church, you know, the first uh, 50 or so people had just kind of died. Uh, it was really starting to spread. New York was getting hit like crazy. Back in March, uh, you know, first NBA player had contracted it. So we, we had just, we were shutting down because we didn't really know what it was. And so... In the beginning, I think it was a matter of prudence. Okay, we're going to shut down. We'll live stream. We'll, we'll compromise a little bit on what church means because we think it's good for all of us. Um, and I think that was wise. I think it, it probably still is wise. And right. if something else happens in the future with another plague or a hurricane or something, and I'm a pastor, perhaps I'll shut down. Perhaps I'll say I would encourage our members not to come to church, and I'll offer some sort of a live streaming sermon and, and songs that can be had at home for a special time in a special situation. Yeah. But 
I think that's a matter of prudence. I yeah, don't think the so, government has the right. Yeah. So your argument is when things like this happen, the church itself should determine like, well, these are some, maybe the government can provide recommendations, but you would say that the church should be the ones to say, hey, we're going to close down for a little while, or hey, we think we should limit to 50%, or hey, um, we're just going to open up and ask people to, to wear a mask or something. The, the church should ultimately be in charge of the guidelines that they uh, impose on themselves. Is that what you're, is that what you're getting at there, Alan? Yeah, I believe that the church uh, alone, Christ is the head of the church, and then the church alone has the authority to shut down church and to yeah. say church shouldn't happen. And it should always be done out of a matter of prudence, out of wisdom. Yeah. You know, that, uh, that point there, I think, uh, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, you, you know, I said a minute ago, we might not necessarily agree fully in what we're going to talk about here. I do agree with you fully there. I think that the church should be able to say, um, one way or another, what makes sense for them. And I think that when doing that, the church should ultimately operate out of a sense of, um, love, love for neighbor, love for the, the congregation. I believe the pastor is responsible for knowing, um, or for, for making that decision as to what is wise for his congregation. I'll give you an example. Not that the government steps in during snowstorms, but um, the church that I grew up at, the pastor, if there was ice on the road, he would say, you know what, maybe I can make it to church. But if I open the church, I know that some of these little old ladies are going to feel like they need to be there. And then if something happened to them, I'm responsible for that. And so he would take the step of saying, it might not be that bad, but it's bad enough. And so I think that's an example of, of what you're saying there. Um, you know, be having some wisdom and making that decision. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I agree there. Um, what I'm looking at, though, is when the government does step in, when the government says, hey, every business, every restaurant, every theater, and yes, every church must limit itself to 15% of its capacity, should the church try to circumvent, try to go around the government there? That's that's where I think the issue comes into play here. Um, and I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what you've said is you don't think the government should say it at all, so you're on board with what the pastor did here. Is that is that kind of accurate? Yeah, I'm on board with what I'm on board with what the pastor did there, and um, I think I think it could be prudential, could be wise to, you know, tell your church, hey, we're going to close off every other pew, uh, or every other row of seats, or we're going to socially distance some seats, um, and yeah, that means we can't fit as many people into church. So if we end up having a demand, we will open another service, or you know, we'll we'll expand to have some outdoor seating perhaps that looks into the sanctuary, whatever it is that needs to be done. That could be prudential. And I think a lot of it comes down to your, your context, man. Like in, in where I'm at, our church, we didn't have like a single case uh, like in our church member until after this new year. Like we didn't, I, I didn't know as a, ch- a church member and they didn't show up to church. They, they'd get it, you know, throughout the week and then be like, oh, well, I'm not coming to church for the next two weeks. But like, I, I didn't know a church member who had, who had gotten it, um, until after the new year. So it's like before then, in our particular case and in our particular area of the country, 
I think it was perfectly fine to have. Uh, I think it was perfectly fine to have some limit to some social distancing, you know, standards in place. But but we weren't hit. But then your if your church starts, if everybody you know at your church starts outbreaking again, similar to perhaps a hurricane or a violent or a tornado or something, you might want to say, hey, it's just not wise for us to meet right now. Yep. Or just really, or just really warn your church members, hey, we are going to meet, but it's bad. <laughs> so right. so make your decision for yourself. Right. Okay, so so I, I hear what you're saying, and again, when it comes to the the wisdom of the pastor, I think I think you're right there. And even for this guy, like I don't I don't sit back and say like, hey, he was wrong to believe that he should have a full sanctuary or whatever. Like I, I don't I don't want to pass that judgment on his decision making when it comes to what's safe during a pandemic. This is what I do want to say. Um, I think there's this idea that the church was being uniquely persecuted. And I don't believe that's right. Um, the church was placed under the restrictions that everyone else was placed under. Um, and so uh, I'm a big believer in um, trying to view those in authority as our genuine authority who is uh, placed there by God, or at least allowed to be there by God. So when, when a law like that comes down, um, my question is, is there a way to work around the law in a way that doesn't break the law? So where this guy, what he did was to, to break the new law, right? Um, my question is, um, was, that, was that a thing that was going to bring God the most glory? Um, I look at the situation with Daniel, right? Um, Daniel uh, is informed of a new law where he cannot pray to his God. Now, Daniel did not go stand in the middle of the street and say, forget you guys, I'm praying to my God anyway. He did exactly as he would have normally done, prayed the same way he would have done it, and the only way anybody knows about it is if they're checking in on him, right? Um, so I know it's a little bit of a different situation because you make the argument that this pastor has done what he's always done. Um, but I think when it becomes an issue... We're spending a lot of time looking at this pastor and talking about this pastor. We're not, I think we're shifting the focus from Christ. And I think that's a danger when we get to this kind of thing. Um, what I would like to see is a pastor who says, you know what, I'll embrace suffering. And maybe instead of trying to bring 400 people into my building when I should only have, quick math, 60 people here, um, a pastor who says that, maybe instead of doing that, say, okay, you know what? It'll take eight services or whatever, but or seven services, but let's offer seven services to our congregation on a Sunday afternoon. It's going to put a lot more on me, but that's how I'll suffer instead of saying, hey, look at me. I'm going to prison because the government doesn't like what I'm doing. That's my That's my fear there is that this becomes a, hey, look at me situation. I'm not saying that was his intent. I don't want to say that. What I am saying is that's where the conversation is going. It's, hey, look what this pastor did. Look what's happening to this pastor. Look what the government's doing to the church. That's wrong. And we're talking so much about that. Um, I even saw a situation where um, once he was arrested, the church has even seen a boom in attendance. Like even more people came this past Sunday. My question is, why are they coming? Are they coming to fight against the government or they, are they coming for Christ? Um, and, and so I, I get really nervous when I see these stories because 
I do believe we should respect authority. I don't believe the church was being uniquely persecuted. And I'm scared that the focus has shifted away from Christ. And I, I never well, wanted I do to think, do that. Yeah. I do. From what I understand, from, from what I hear from different areas of the country where their church is not supposed to meet and these guys who podcast and they talk about this, or, or they've had guys from Canada on their podcast and they've interviewed them. Um, be, because so many churches and pastors are compromising, I would call it mm-hmm. compromising on church in the name of obeying obeying a government when I think it's wrong. And what I'm going to say is this, is a matter of prudence. This, this, this virus is not as deadly as we ever thought it could be. And praise the Lord, that is kind, that is mercy. It's still affecting people and it's still killed. Uh, they're saying, I guess it could kill up to 500,000 people by this November. I guess if we get that far, like in, in America, I mean, like it's still killed a number of people, but it's not nearly as deadly as we once thought it was. So, so thanks the Lord. Thank you for his mercy. Um, that we can, I, I don't feel scared to go to church. Right. Like I'm going to die. You know what I mean? Like maybe I would if it was, was Ebola. I think I said last week, Ebola yeah. had like a 50% kill rate. Yeah. Like, thank God this is not Ebola. So in a matter of wisdom, I think it's okay to have our worship service pretty much as normal. Maybe with some yeah. social distancing, maybe you offer one half of the sanctuary with a mask and the other without a mask, or, or you just don't pass judgment on one another and everybody just right. does their thing. Um, but I think right now you have a lot of pastors out there compromising on their belief of church in the name of, of obeying a government when I don't think it has to, when I think the, the laws are, are unwise and unbiblical. And so you're, you're compromising your belief on church, and people are hungry for a church that's going to stand up and say, no, Christ is king of the church, and he says gather, and we are safe to do so. And I think people are hungry for that. So I think, just to your point, I don't know the intentions of every person that showed up that particular day, but I think there's a lot of people out there looking for a church that's going to stand up for Jesus. A lot of them are in Canada. A lot of them are in Australia, where it's real bad for yep. different reasons, such different reasons similar to the Equality Act, but also for COVID stuff. They're looking for a pastor and a church that's going to stand up for Jesus. So many have compromised. So I think t- to that point, I would say there are some genuine people looking for for yep. a church that they think is genuinely standing up for Jesus. But also, I, I don't buy personally. I'll, I'll just let you know, I don't buy the idea. I think it's it could be wise to sit there and go, okay, no, nothing else is being persecuted. No, we're not being unfairly persecuted, like you said. And so maybe you limit your, your attendance to try and lead a quiet life, you know what I mean? Or you, you implement social distancing to try and lead a quiet life. But I don't believe, just because the government has a standard for every institution, that the church then needs to follow that standard. I mean, is that is that what you believe? Because I have something else to say on that, but I just yeah. I don't want to I want to make sure I'm not strawmanning you. Yeah, no, no, no. That's I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of saying that, and I, I I guess what I'm saying, and with the with the Daniel uh, thing, I think what we saw with Daniel is he was willing to go along with everything. They changed his name, they, and even when they changed his name, it was to a name that like was essentially a, a play off of their god. Um, and, and everything that happened, he was willing to go along with it until they told him to to truly compromise in his devotion to God. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, so that was the only time he was willing to stand up. And so what I would say is when we take a stand, it needs to be when someone is telling us that we are no longer allowed to, to show our devotion to God. Mm. Yeah. Well, I would say showing up to church is showing devotion to God. But here's the thing. The, the reason I wanted to ask that question is because I don't think that you believe this entirely. But But what happens when the standard for every every business and institution and everything like that is the Equality Act. Yeah. You know, like what happens when the government says the movie theaters have to start hiring, you know, transgender folks and all that kind of stuff, which they I'm sure already do. 
but like that becomes the standard for movie theaters and liquor stores and all that kind of stuff. So then it has to become the standard for the church. Yeah. Do we fight? You know, do we fight then, or how do we fight? Do yeah. you know Costi Hen? Uh, this this relates. Yes. Do you know the guy Costi Hen? Yes, love Costi. Well, Costi tweeted. Let, uh, let me be clear. I don't know Costi personally. I love listening to Costi. Yeah. Yeah. So Costi Hen is the nephew of a prosperity gospel guy called Benny Hen, um, and he's not prosperity gospel. That's part of why he's kind of famous is because he's so close to it, but so far away from it. So he tweeted, and I saw this on his Instagram because he put the tweet up, but he said, this is his tweet. One day in the Western world, perhaps sooner than we think, preachers will be jailed and churches shut down for preaching their biblical view on marriage, gender, and all of life. This will, of course, be for the good of public health and safety. Mm-hmm. That's, that's in quotes there. He's, mm-hmm. he's mocking it. Um, so that, that's what I was trying to get at with the, yeah. with the Equality Act. Why I wanted to say that during the Equality Act thing, but I think it fits in well here. Yeah. Um, shutting down our churches in the name of, uh, or, or, or pastors not having churches in the name of a virus that kills at less than 1% death rate, or, or, or obeying the government because of this virus and the procedures, yeah. will come back to haunt us, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that churches that took, uh, and I don't know where your church is in on that, but I, I'm afraid that churches that took financial assistance from the assistance from the government, especially mm-hmm. when they didn't need it, will come back to haunt churches when they want to tax churches. That's a different discussion. Yeah. But I think yeah. this will come back. I think this could, in, in, in a way, come back to haunt churches. But what do you have to say? So um, no, no, no. I, I think, uh, so I think you're making a good point. Um, but, so I think, I think you're, I think it's a little bit apples and oranges. So like, yeah, I agree. Devotion to God. Yeah, we, we can show that in our attendance. Let me, let me change it a little bit and say, say, not just devotion to God in the sense of like that we love him and we want to like serve him, but that we follow his commands. And what, what I'm saying is nobody told these people they couldn't all like gather in each other's homes and watch online, like have little mini churches and watch online. Um, nobody, nobody told them they couldn't have 10 services a day, uh, things like that. So in a very, in a very straightforward way, they chose to defy the government when they could have done any other number of things that the government would have allowed. Um, you, you know what I'm saying there? Whereas with the Equality Act situation, um, it's it's a very black and white. Either you affirm the transgender community, you, you affirm the LG, well, that's transgender. You affirm that community or, or, or not, you know. Um, and so I think, I do think it's a little apples and oranges. I, I think you make a fair point though. Um, but I'm afraid that uh, and maybe you and I have a different idea of, of what the church is, and I don't mean that to be mean. Here's what I'm saying. No, no, no. Why does, you know, are we going to let the church, the government, define what the ecclesia is, the gathering of the saints uh-huh. is? Because the gathering of the yeah. saints is supposed to be one group of people, one assembly. Sorry, that that's the exegetical argument, is that it is an assembly of people. I'm against uh, multiple services, um, yeah. at least in the sense that I don't think it's the, bibl- the best biblical right. model. I think that the so are we supposed to let the church tell us uh, the the government tell us that the church is now a bunch of live stream home churches um, yep. or that we're allowed we're all that the church is only allowed to exist if it's multiple because now you're letting the government define church and not Christ not the word of God is what I'm afraid that we get into in, in the same way that you just said that the government gets to define what's a man what's a woman what's yep. an in between uh, chest feeding what all this kind of stuff with that comes with the Equality Act. 
And so I'm just afraid that that's the out that's the outcome that that could happen from this. The church that, is gonna the government can define it if they want to. Yeah, as in like we're looking at a slippery slope situation, and um, you know, whenever you mention the slippery slope, of course the the first thing that that your opponent would say, your your the person who disagrees with you, the first thing they would say is, well, that's not fair to to take the slippery slope argument. But it, it does tend to be true that if you give an inch, they take a mile, right? So that's that's where your argument comes from. No, take a stand now. So we're not ten years from now looking back saying, "I wish we would have taken a stand." Mm-hmm. I think I think that's fair. Um, and maybe maybe what I would say then is we just have to find the best way to do it. And of course, if a pastor is going to be arrested, everybody's going to know about it. Um, I don't know, but Alan. Maybe maybe you've maybe you've started to win me over a little bit to your side there. Um, I do think prudentially. There could be an argument for like uh, a church saying, hey, man, I don't know, for this season, we're going to not be this church anymore. We're going to be a bunch of different home churches, like yeah. you were kind of saying. Yeah. And like each elder is going to form a little, I, I don't know. I don't know how that would play out. That'd be yeah. like you're planting a bunch of churches and then they're going to unplant yeah. whenever this is all over. <laughs> but I do not think we can let the government define what a church is. Because yeah. that's a very, that, I mean, slippery yeah. slope, there, there's a reason it's the slippery slope fallacy because you're not supposed to be able to make that kind of argument. But unfortunately, yeah. in the Christian, with the Christian worldview, we know that sin and sinners, <laughs> sin yeah. operates and sinners operate on a slippery slope. Yeah. And it you're, can you're get right. slippery. So, yeah, you're, you're that, very that's right. to your point. That's to your point. I don't want it to be like, like you said, a slippery slope. I don't want to just be, you know, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be letting you like, like, like with the homosexual thing, they're going to be letting married dogs and pigs and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> that, not that kind of slippery slope. Yeah. But this is, you no. let the church define, you let the government define church now, you know, 10 years from now, they get to define church as far as who gets to be there, who gets to be a member, when y'all get to meet, if y'all get to meet. Yeah. I think it could get bad. And yeah. I think that's why yeah. I'm saying we have to stand. That is a way of standing up for Jesus. He defines church. Colossians yeah. says he is the head of the body of the church. You know what I mean? He's yeah. the, he's the rule over the church. Yeah. He's the authority. Yeah, that's that. Uh, c- coming in, Alan. I knew you would have a good argument. I didn't know your argument would be that solid. I really, I really think that you might be on the right track there. Um, still makes me a little nervous. I still still would want to approach that very, very carefully. But um, I think. I think you might have started to win me over a little bit. That's uh, well. Let me be very clear. Say, say I were a senior pastor. Say I were an elder uh, on an elder board at, at a church. Uh, we probably would have shut down last March. We probably would have opened sooner rather than later. Um, you know, more like April May. Uh, we would have opened with some social distancing, uh, even if the government didn't want it because the virus wasn't as deadly. But we we but but we would be handling all of this with 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 wisdom and prudence. It's not just like we may. Like I was saying earlier, shut down church or, or limit the attendance because of prudence, not because of what the government says. Does that make sense? Yeah. There are some people out there that I follow in in the podcasting and YouTube realm that are just, you know, they 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 are not going to make anybody wear a mask to church, or they're not going to have any kind of uh, yeah. guidelines in place or any kind. Of, not not to say that they don't have any wisdom. It's just in some ways I would have a little. I feel compelled in some different ways. But we would have opened and we would stay open. And, and perhaps if I was in a context as dark as, as Canada where he's at, I would be arrested as well because I just feel so compelled that we fight for Christ and His church in this way. You know, I'll I'll never uh, I'll never have a bad word to say about somebody who's genuinely doing what they're doing. Uh, for Christ and has a true biblical argument behind it. And, and I think in that sense, if you did that, I think you would. I really do. Um, 
so yeah, I think I think uh, I think I'm with you there. Actually, believe me. Well, I mean, as I understand it, your church shut down a while ago because we did several members, including a staff member or two, had the yeah. had the Rona. So it's like yeah. there are some times that you you maybe need to shut down with this thing, yeah. uh, or 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 ask some folks who are sick not to come to church, perhaps. But but you know, the early church man. I mean, listen, Nero was a bad dude, Caesar Nero. Uh, I get he famously crucified so many Christians that there was a forest of, cr- of, of crosses outside of Jerusalem. Uh, like, uh, like Nero, he, he would, he would light, he would use, uh, Christians as human torches. He yeah. would light, he would douse them in oil and light them on fire. Like Nero was a bad dude and the church was meeting. The church interpreted Romans 13 and these kind of yeah. passages to mean that, yeah, we, we meet underground cause they had to be super underground, but we still meet. Christ defines us, not not Nero. Yep. And no, we're not there. We're not there right now, but perhaps we will be one day. But see, again, that's a that's a situation of like either deny God completely or or die. So like, yeah. I'm with the church there. I I don't know. It's it's a whole. I, I think there's a lot of gray area there. Well, if you want to get into yeah. the worldview side of it, like what we were talking about with the problem of sin in abortion and the Equality Act and all that kind of stuff, the government right now wants to be God. Government officials, policemen. I mean, I mean, it goes down as far as even policemen who, you know, there was that video in Wisconsin where they showed up to that lady's house and they said, you know, we heard your boy was playing down the street. Like, you know, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, and, and so, like, the problem with all this corona stuff in part is because people love self and they're little tyrants, uh, if I can put it that way. They're, they're, people are... are People love to institute tyranny because that's the love of self and the love of self-rule and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we, we might not be there right now, but but the government, in a in a smaller way, is trying to be little Neros in this, and it and it could get worse and it will get worse because in the Christian worldview, we know that sin is a slippery yep. slope. Yep, I, I do think that's fair. And oh, one thing I wanted to mention too with all this, um, you know, something we saw in California was that there was a different restriction placed on churches. Yeah. Then and so like I would one hundred percent be behind the church there saying no we're we're not gonna listen to this because this is this is baloney, um but no I I do think you're right we've seen that we've seen some like petty local rulers decide to uh rulers authorities decide to become rulers you know and and really uh take some of that authority and, and it's really going to their head I think we have seen that um I am I'm stuck on this idea of you know needing to take a stand before we think we we need to take a stand. I, the problem with that's... Rome and the problem with Nero was that Christians said Jesus is Lord, Christ right. is Lord, not not Caesar is Lord. Right. Uh, and it continued after Nero's death and at his own hand and all that kind of stuff. It continued. But the problem was that Jesus Jesus is Lord. And, and if you want to get down to the brass tacks of this, uh, a, lot, a lot of pastors getting arrested is because they're saying Jesus is Lord. Um... And that corona, that the government and corona restrictions from the government are not Lord. Now, people, a lot of people laugh that off, and they're like, "No, it's just public health and safety." But let's watch out for when it becomes what Costi just, you know, what that read, that tweet we read, that uh, you say Jesus is Lord, so you preach against the Equality Act, or you preach for the biblical view of marriage and manhood and womanhood and, and gender, and the government says, "No, we define that. Jesus is not Lord." That's what's happening in this Corona stuff. I believe. I, I, I believe. I don't believe it's all just public health and safety. I believe a lot of it is uh, Jesus is Lord, and, and 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 it's because the church, Christ has authority over the church, and 
there is a different spheres of sovereignty. There's different areas of sovereignty to each institution. And the church has the authority to, to govern its own self, I believe. I firmly believe. And I think, unfortunately, the problem is that uh, we're saying Jesus is Lord, not, and we're not being crucified or burned alive as human torches right now, but we are getting told we can't go to church. Pastors are getting arrested. And, it, and it's easy to not, it's easy to think that one, one is far more uh, extreme than the other. One, one got a lot different than the other. Lighting them literally as human torches is, is not quite the same as getting arrested um, and having some fines that will probably end up being waived and all that kind of stuff. But I hope you can, can you see the application I'm trying to make? I can. Um, still, still not sure if I'm all the way there. I do see what you're saying. I do think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think I think that's okay. I think it's okay for us to uh, to maybe to maybe end the discussion and, and say I think you've made a lot of good points, um, but then but then to also say you know to, to to go into it with the question: Are they truly telling us to redefine the church? Are they truly trying to define the church? Um, be aware of those things that you've brought up, and then ask: Is that what's truly happening right now? Um, and you know, if I take a step back, I'm not, I'm not sure. But like I said, I think it's okay for us to, to, to walk away from that part of the conversation and say maybe, maybe we have well, slightly different views. But I think you make a good point um, that like in different contexts it is different things. In some contexts it is the government wants to redefine church and redefine Christianity and all that kind of stuff. In some contexts though, they just don't want large groups of sick people, you know, getting right. together if they are right. sick and all that kind of stuff. So I think you make some good points too. Um, and and I think this is a healthy realm of disagreement as long as we, and neither one of us is, but as long as one doesn't compromise that Jesus is Lord, you know what I mean? Uh, the out, the outworkings of how we view him as Lord, I think in some ways can disagree. And Hey, what, what I would hope is that like you and I, in a point where we might not have the, the same view that we could offer, like, I mean, I don't mean for this to sound like high and mighty or anything, because that's not how I, I see myself. But I, I would hope that we could maybe offer an example of, like, good Christian disagreement and conversation. You know, like, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I think we, we've, we've made the point that we don't necessarily uh, agree fully on this. But, um, you know, we, we, we're having a good conversation. I'm acknowledging your good points. And this is what I think. And not, listen, I don't want to chase this this. Uh, conversation too far because we've been recording for almost an hour and a half now and it's, it's getting it's getting towards time to wrap up but I think this is the kind of thing that within a church context and within a cultural context we've got to do a better job of is having these kind of conversations coming to the table putting our points out there our, our thoughts everything that we're really kind of feeling and thinking through a situation and then being willing to say like Okay, here's a point where I think you got me, and I think you're right. So let's talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, in some ways, um, well, in, in many ways, like we can have a Romans 14 different calibrated conscience. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. About certain, as long as we're not directly going against against God's word. You right. know what I mean? As long as we're not directly in complete rejection of God's word. You right. and I can disagree. Anybody can. So we, we should be able to come up to each other and have different have conversations like this. And you know, like you said. That's where the culture has gone so wrong. That's where yeah. the country, the culture has so failed. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because we just scream at each other. And we just sound off on Twitter. We don't yeah. listen to each other. We don't listen to politicians because we just look to see who sounded off the best on Twitter or who yeah. who typed the most in all caps, and we don't want that kind of person in the White House. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> like we're not listening to the substance yeah. behind yeah. 
policy or belief or anything like that. So I agree. And I think we should be able to have healthy disagreements. And I hope that we have modeled good, healthy disagreement. Because you and I disagree a little bit. I think we're, we're like in the same sentence. You know what I yeah. mean? We're, we're, not, yeah. we're on the same page. We're in the same paragraph. We're inside the same sentence. And I think you and I are just both a little bit on the on different calibrations of like, are, yeah. uh, what is the right way to fight for right? Us. So right. and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, dude, I, I really enjoyed that that part of our conversation. Uh, that might be um, just speaking for our audience here. That might be my favorite thing we've we've talked about because we didn't come at it from exactly the same angle, and I I really enjoyed that. But moving on from that. As always, we like to wrap up our podcast with the conversation, what are you reading? And that might not always be what are you reading. It might be what are you watching? What are you doing? It's really a what have you been up to kind of conversation. Alan, what are you reading? Well, we moved um, and we got a dog. So we've been doing some dog training and trying to learn up on that. A friend of ours actually gave us Puppies for Dummies. I think I think it's uh, it's one of those for dummies books. You know right. what I mean. So we got Puppies for Dummies. Um, so uh, I know I think my wife is excited to dive into that. She'll be she'll be reading that uh, more <laughs> than me. But hey, know, be careful uh, there because it could really come across to our audience that you're saying that she's the dummy. So you might you might want to be careful there. <laughs> she needs to read it right now. Uh, I, I, I kid. She uh, she she's just really into the dog training. So she tells me what to do with that. Yeah. Um, she tells me, she gives me the cliff notes of it because I have some other things that I read and I work on. I'm currently working on a, a sermon, sermon for our church in the next couple of weeks I'm preaching. So I'm doing some, some reading and dissecting of a particular Bible passage, uh, Philippians 3, 1 through 11. We're preaching through Philippians right now in a sermon series through Philippians. So we're preaching through that and uh, I get to preach that particular passage. Fun passage. I didn't realize just how Jewish that passage was. Mm. Um, very, very much. A, he's writing in a lot of Jewish language, kind of. Make, uh, well, I mean, it's a lot of Paul's letters are. There's some refutations of Judaizing heresy. You know, people who who think you need to really rely on works or circumcision and all that kind of stuff. So he he plays on that a little bit. So he speaks in some Jewish language and twists some words around. It's pretty, pretty interesting. So I've been studying that. Um, in, in some other reading I did uh, the past couple of days, I've been reading some books, some different books on anxiety and stress because I think a lot of students go through that and mm. uh, a lot of people go through anxiety and really struggle with anxiety. I I have anxieties. Like, I mean, if something goes bad, I start to get anxious about it. But I, I don't necessarily live with a dread and a doom and gloom yeah. that I understand anxiety is. So these books have been really helpful. So I just started reading one, read a couple chapters of it yesterday called Stressed Out by a guy, a guy called Todd Friel. Good book. Um, still Oops. reading All by Paul David Tripp. And uh, finished up another chapter of exegetical fallacies, talking about word study fallacies and how to best study Greek. But other than that, man, my wife and I, she's got me on. Uh, we're watching some reality TV. We're watching America's Next Top Model. So <laughs> they they got a lot of seasons of that on uh, on Hulu. Yep. And uh, I don't know. She she got me in. I'm not necessarily into it. I enjoy watching it with her because she really enjoys it. Uh, and sometimes it's funny, but uh, man, it really just shows you. I mean, this was like 2014 this season, but people were really, really messed up back then too. But yeah. it's just it's sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's funny to see how they model and stuff like that, and to see a good picture. But also, the worldview of some of these folks is just 
What am I trying to say? The world is broken. Reality TV really shows you that. But we like yeah. we enjoy a little we little enjoy a little America's Next Top Model. Still looking for another TV show to really sink my teeth into, like a like a drama or something like that, a yeah. series that I could binge perhaps. Yeah. Um. What about uh? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a different question. Um. You know, we talked about like uh using our smokers that you would like to have one day. We talked about how I smoke like some, some, some pork butts and that kind of thing. So that was maybe a, what are you eating? Alan, what I heard in in our pre show uh, meeting, you mentioned that, that you've, you've gotten turned on to a new, a new beverage. Uh, Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, uh, I was drinking, telling, telling Justin, I might make some tea for this episode, some green tea, and I, I squeeze some lemon in there, and I put some sugar in there, and it's like a lemony green tea, hot green tea, with a little bit of mint, a little bit of spearmint in the green tea itself, and it's delicious. It's 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 delicious. Starbucks has a drink very similar to it called the sick tea, and you get it when you're sick or whatever. That's when I got it, and now I make my own version of it. And Justin does not like tea. Justin, why do you hate tea, man? Why do you discriminate? I love tea. I love good, old-fashioned, <laughs> southern sweet tea. And when you said you were making tea, I was like, man, I can really get with that. I feel you. And then you decided <laughs> to tell me it was th- that mess that you just said. It's good for and, you, man. It's like good for your metabolism. Li- it's good for your body. Listen, I almost, I almost walked away and said we're not going to record a podcast today. Was- <laughs> <laughs> Solo artist today. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Well, I would understand that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Justin, what have you been reading? Uh, been reading a lot for school. Um, just a lot of books, um, either titled or that the content is about being a pastor. There's one that's on pastoring. Um, really been digging into those. Um, Sticky Teams. I don't know if you're familiar with Sticky Teams. It's about church leadership. Um, that's a fantastic one. Highly recommend. If you're a church leader listening and you have not read Sticky Teams. That's a that's a podcast or? No, no, no. It's a, it's a book. Um, okay. Yeah, Sticky. And, and to be to be clear, Sticky Teams, not Sticky Teens. That would be different. We don't want to get into that. <laughs> sticky Teams is what, what I've been reading. Um Again, just just really good ministry insights, uh, just what it is to be a leader, how to lead well. Um, really been getting into those. Those have been exciting. I'm looking forward to implementing some of that um, within within my ministry. Uh, Hannah and I just finished watching Breaking Bad. Um, that was uh, interesting. Oh, you finished it? Yeah, we finished it. I was not expecting it to end the way it did. Um, you didn't know the ending? You didn't, no, you didn't, no, we had oh, not. Nice. We had not heard the ending. Um, that's a whole different conversation because one of our closest friends up here decides that he really likes spoilers, and before he starts watching a show, he'll look up the ending to see if he wants to oh, watch it. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a questionable guy. Maybe we could have him on the podcast to defend himself one day. Because um, that's a that's a that's a major major disqualification for friendship even so dude if you're listening like 11 that's like 11th commandment territory yeah right right thou shalt not spoil um uh so no we we did finish that um you mentioned reality shows hannah has gotten me a little into uh the bachelor so listen i made fun of. hey is the guy still hosting the bachelor uh yeah this season he is i think i saw where he's not going to host anymore though well, I think he said he was going to take a, a time to 
educate yeah. himself. So maybe yeah. a season or two or something. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Who knows what's going to happen there? Um, right, dude. You want to talk about some some garbage TV? It's the first few episodes of a new season of The Bachelor. Holy cow, <laughs> that man! I've never watched The Bachelor. I did get. I did follow. The Bachelorette, that season that that Christian girl was on there, uh, Alabama Hannah. Yeah, I followed. I followed the drama yeah. just because, and, and because one of the other guys that was like down to the bottom four or so was yeah. a Christian guy from Georgia yeah. or Alabama yeah. one. I think it was Georgia, and so the the drama. I, I followed that because she was supposedly a Christian. The the greatest quote in the history of fake Christianity. Man, that was a little bit harsh, possibly, but. I can have sex with who I want to have sex with. That's what grace is for. Um, she said that. That wasn't a direct quote, but that was what. No, that was but her she argument. said something like that. That was her argument. Times, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy <laughs> cow, man! That I heard that and I thought, goodness gracious. So yeah, good old, good old trash reality TV like that. You just get sucked in. You can't help it, man. Um, no, sometimes yeah. sometimes you do, and uh, and like in your case and in mine, like if your wife is into it. I tend to enjoy things more, you know, if my wife's particularly into it, so, or at least I can enjoy it. So uh, it's good for that reason. But yeah. yeah, I'm looking for a show like Breaking Bad to get into, man, to really spend some yeah. time watching Burns and... But did you did you watch the, the movie, El Camino? Uh, no, we're going to watch that, though. We are. El Camino, I, I don't know if it hit me at the right time or if it's because it had all of the buildup of the fact that, you know, Breaking Bad was a TV series of five yeah. seasons and it... Different than like one movie, two movie, three movies, right. five seasons of television. When I got done watching El Camino, I thought that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. And really? I don't say that lightly. Um, really? It's a slow burn, man. I mean, it's a slow burn. Um, well, the the thing but, is, though, like Jesse's kind of character arc over the series is the is mm. basically the one that you can get behind and really enjoy, right? right? right. Like, and, and who would who would know that going in that, that that's how you'd feel about the guy at the end of it? Um, so no, yeah. I'm, so I'm like El Camino, you're just that. rooting for him to make it safely somewhere, you know? Like yeah. like you just want him to end his story yeah. to end well. So yeah. I loved El Camino. Yeah, that uh, I'm just gonna go off on a little bit of a Breaking Bad tangent there. The first time you get a glimpse of that. Do you remember early on in Breaking Bad when he goes back to his parents' house? Oh yeah, yeah. and he finds his brothers. Well, what's he got like a joint? Well, he gets accused. They, they, the parents find a joint, right? Oh, and the they accuse Jesse it. of it. Yeah, okay. and then his brother—it's his brother's—and yeah. he throws it away. Yeah, he but he realizes his brothers, and he like he doesn't say no. It's not mine. Like yeah, he takes the fall. Yeah, yeah. And that's the first glimpse you get of it. Like hey, this guy, this guy might end up pretty good. So now that was yeah, that was interesting. No, I like I like Breaking Bad. I thought Breaking Bad was a good TV show. I don't know if it's as good as everybody else thinks. Um, I really got to see. I really got to catch this uh, this latest season of Better Call Saul, and then they're about to make the last season of Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad. I actually prefer Better Call Saul in some ways. I think the thing I didn't like about Breaking Bad, which it's in the title, so I I don't. I guess I should have expected, it. but like, I wanted Walt to either. I wanted Walt to end. A yeah. little bit more redeemed and yeah. actually provide a little bit for his like he didn't but but here's the thing also he didn't go full evil and he and then he never really got redeemed because like he shot mike for example spoilers yeah. he shot mike for example yeah but then he like regrets it you know, and it's yeah it's like i either want this guy to turn into darth vader like like at the height of his yeah. power darth vader evil yeah. darth vader or i want him to 
where I want him to like redeem himself. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but then at the end, he like tells his mom or his wife rather, the mom of his kids, like he did it because he enjoyed it. Yeah. Not because he was trying to provide for them. So it's like he kind of got there, but not really, not fully. Yeah. So I I didn't really vibe with that. Um, yeah. But Breaking Bad's still a good show. And Better Call Saul is very good. Are you going to watch that next? Uh, well, yeah, I actually um, already watched Better Call Saul. Um, I have not seen the latest season. I'm waiting on it to be on Netflix. Um, I just I recently watched it like a month ago. Um, Before so yeah, you watched Breaking Bad? Uh, well, so I had I had watched the first, what, five seasons, four seasons, however many seasons there are. I had watched the first bit of Breaking Bad. I didn't watch the last season. And then when Hannah agreed to watch Breaking Bad, I decided to sit back and wait and watch with her. But then watching Better Call Saul, uh, there were things that happened that I didn't know were going to happen in hmm. Breaking Bad. Right. So like I was still able to like connect dots. It wasn't probably the same experience as if I had just watched all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, st- I still enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to this, like you said, the most recent season. I need a, I need a new show. I need a new show. So listen, if you um, if you're out there with a show request, email us at late night net at gmail.com. Holy <laughs> Let us know. cow. If if you are still listening at the one hour and probably thirty five thirty seven minute. Yeah, goodness gracious. If you're still hanging with us, man, I, I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you we love you, we appreciate you. Um, share share the show for us. Uh, please please do that. Uh, give us a review. Um, give us a, a rating. Let us know what you think. Tell us what we can do better. And please, so he doesn't tell us again, go ahead and tell Alan a new show to watch. Please. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> LateNightNet at gmail.com. It's L8NightNet at gmail.com. Hit us up. Let us know. A uh, good show request. Uh, Justin, where can the people find you? You want to give them your socials? Yeah, the people can find me. Um just look for Justin Dutton on Facebook. I was not prepared. I don't have it already. And I'm pretty sure on Twitter you can look for Dizzle 90 maybe. Not sure. Uh, throwing out the Dizzle there, though. And um, I have an Instagram. I don't ever get on it, so don't look for me there. I don't even think we're Instagram fans. But the people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at King James underscore Allen. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you can find me at Late Night Blog. Uh, go check out my go check out my blogs. Um, go check out Justin's blog at Thoughts of a Youth Pastor. That we might be combining forces here soon. Yeah, that's where you can find us, people. Listen, we want you to to understand the worldview that the Bible gives us and uh, play it out into all of life and godliness. That's why we can disagree and love each other still. Just as uh, was it Paul and Barnabas come to such a disagreement right. and they have to leave? Is that is, or is it Paul and John or is it Paul and John Mark? No, I, I think know. it was Paul and Barnabas in discussing John Mark, right? They, yeah, they come to such a disagreement that they have to part ways, and, and, and we're not there. But we hope that you guys understand that Christian worldview plays out into abortion, into the Equality Act, into church being open and obeying Christ, but also loving Christ and loving neighbor, and into Christian disagreement. So until next time, love God, love people, love Christ, and love Justin. We'll see you again.